Thanks so much for listening in to the Saints Hill Church podcast. Our vision is to see heaven come to earth, and we do this by equipping the saints to know who they are in Christ, to walk in freedom through the truth, and to make disciples who change the world. We hope this message draws you further into relationship with our Father. And if you would like to give to the mission of Saints Hill, please visit our website at saintshill.church. And thank you. Your generosity helps to keep Saints Hill going. Now, on to the message. In you I find my joy. Maybe just just uh, breathe in the Holy Spirit right now. Just We're not in a hurry. Just acknowledge his presence here. Just receive his peace. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're here. We honor you. We breathe you in. It'd be a shame uh, to gather and get good songs and get some uh, words from me and miss you. Holy Spirit, come encounter your people. Holy Spirit, fall. Uh, before we jump in, I just want to, uh, I feel like we, I want to just acknowledge the moment that we are in as a church. Um, this has nothing to do with my message, but I just felt like um, as a family, as a leader, as a team, I just wanted to uh, acknowledge where we are as a family. I feel like uh, the Holy Spirit's doing something fresh here, something new, something amazing. How many of you feel that? Um to be frank, it's not like we've been taking a break from church. Uh, if you've been around, raise your hand if this is your first time to Saints Hill. Awesome. Welcome. Bless you. Thanks for being here. It's an honor to host you. Uh, you're in for a treat. We pray that you get more than what you came for. You'd get blessed. Um, he's, in the, he's in a good mood, and he's ready to touch you. Um, we haven't been taking a break from church. We've been doing church in the field, if you know that. And I loved church in the field. It was a great option. And I think we haven't fully talked about this, but I, we've talked about it enough. That I, I loved it enough that I think in the summer, it's like, why not do it again? Uh, it's just fun. Uh, but I got to be kind of frank. I would say that based on how church in the field was, <laughs> it was so good. There was amazing nights, amazing teaching. We were able to still worship as a family. But then about three weeks ago, we came back in here and something just shifted. And to be honest, it was kind of like what happened to our church. Because <laughs> church in the field was great. We worshiped. There was a culture being brewing for now. We're a church plant. But now for about two years, a culture has been being created, produced and by the Spirit of God. And, and church in the field was sometimes distracting. It was kind of, it was good. It was so fun. Hear me. But it just didn't make sense from one week of what we had to then the next week in here. It was like, Holy Spirit just was like, boom, I'm doing a new thing. Does anyone feel that? Am I, am I alone? Um, so I just wanted to acknowledge that and just say as a family, just jump full in to the gospel. Jump full into the kingdom. He's doing something fresh. Uh, not to go on a full tangent here, but um, in the Bible, there's some words used in the Greek. There's one called the Chronos is a word where we get the word chronological. This is just time. It just means time. Time's in place. I think of seasons. Uh, we have four seasons in a year. It's like chronological, just time is part of it. And then there's, there's a word called kairos. How many of you heard that word, kairos? Kairos is uh, in the Bible used a lot as a now moment. It's like a Holy Spirit. It's like a time in history where God said it's a kairos moment where you can jump in now. And I feel like we're in that as a church. I feel like the Holy Spirit is brewing something, and, and I want to be clear here. It just feels like the harvest is ripe. 
I was talking to someone recently, Chad, we had an awesome kingdom night, and he just said, it feels like the soil is ready for the Holy Spirit to do whatever. That more than ever, even just kind of COVID and kind of slowly getting out of that, that now more than ever is a time where people are ready to encounter Jesus all in. And so what that means, though, is, is the harvest is ripe. And so Kairos and Kronos, I would say in every season, how many of you know Jesus would say the harvest is ripe? It's like every season the harvest is ripe. But in a Kairos moment, there's also something where the Lord's saying the harvest is ripe now. I'll always say it, but you can choose to fully step into this Kairos moment now. And I'd argue that you could also miss a Kairos moment. So do you get that balance where he said the harvest is always ripe, but right now in Newburgh, Oregon, the harvest is ripe. I'm ready to pour out my spirit and I'm ready to pour out power. I'm sensing power in our church. And so before we even go into kind of more of the message, I just wanted to say we're in a series, we're doing things, but we, I just want to stop in this holy moment and just say, Jesus is doing something. So let me just pray into that. Um, maybe just close your eyes and just, Holy Spirit, we just honor what you've been doing in our house. Holy Spirit, I've seen for two years now, our team um, and our leaders building a culture, going after this thing, and now I see it corporate. These are our people. I see new people coming here and instantly encountering Jesus like never before. So we honor what you're doing. Holy Spirit, pour out your presence now. Would you touch your people? May tonight be a night of encounter. Where all dignity is thrown out. We realize that the kingdom is something that we can jump into fully. It's not just ideas. But thank you that you're moving these ideas into our heart. I think about we are more more indig- undignified than this, and this just idea of just worshiping Jesus like we never have before. And we, may we be a people that are obedient in this time. We bless what you're doing. We bless what you're doing. There's some people in this room that the Holy Spirit's commissioning you to say, my life is made for the presence of God. That there's... I know in my life, I could say that sometimes it's like, oh, I've given God 90% of that. And, but that 10%, that last 10% is huge. <laughs> that last 10% is like, oh gosh, I might be one of those wacky ones. And I feel the Lord saying, hey, there's some people here where he's commissioning you tonight to say, I will be the person that gives the 10%. Bless your people. Amen. Awesome. We bless you, Lord. Uh, so we are now in a series uh, about our values, our vision and values. Um, this week, I'm talking about Vision 5. Um, every year, kind of indef- indefinitely, our team, our teaching staff has has kind of said, um, once a year, we feel called to just talk about our vision, our mission, and our values. Um, I'm so fed by our values uh, because it feels like every year that we talk about them, it's almost like an onion. It's like a layer. It's like he keeps teaching on something fresh about our values. Um, I love our values because as a staff behind the scenes, you may not know this, but these 10 values, 
were something that God was speaking to us in our community about even before we planted. And it just kind of felt like, oh gosh, you're that, that good. God, you're so good that this is what you're already speaking and we're just going to agree with what you're saying. And these 10 values have really helped us make decisions as a church. These values have almost become these uh, building um, walls of building for us to fill the Holy Spirit with. Um, it's been a powerful time. And I just feel like our values, um, I just encourage you. Sounds funny to say, if you're, if you call Saints Hill your home, give yourself to our values. That sounds weird. Hear me. Because I, I do believe that these values, if it feels weird on my end saying it's like, follow our values. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that these values, these 10 values have changed my life. I hear them changing other people's lives because they're biblically found. They're, there's theology behind them. But here's the kicker. All of our values lead to an invitation of lifestyle. They're not just a declaration. These values are something that actually, uh, the Lord said while, while we were getting ready for this value, the Lord told me that these values, these 10 values are the vows to our town. <laughs> he said that we can be the people that burn for Jesus and say, hey, when you see us, when you, we are going to vow to Newburgh and the people of Newburgh, these 10 things. So if you call Saints Hill your home, I would, I would just say, eat these values up because I have found Jesus on the other side of all of them. And I found a challenge. It's a big deal. I love values um, because they values are the the vehicles and the legs, if you will, to our mission. Our mission is on earth as it is in heaven. It's Jesus's mission. And all of these values are really not just statements, but things that actually bring about that mission on earth as it is in heaven. Like how I said, I love our values because I see them as invitations, right? On earth as it is in heaven. Like I think about our first value, God is good. That's an invitation. It's not just like a sweet little pick-me-up type line. I would argue that if you make God is good a lifestyle, how many of you think that you will actually live a different life? You will look at life situations differently because you have given your heart to this value that God is good. There's an invitation there. Value eight that we're going to hear in the future is this one. We celebrate every person by creating an environment of honor. That value is an invitation. So you can just say, hey, like, yeah, I value people and I just, I just honor you. But how many of you know that that's actually a lifestyle? The value says create an environment. It's something that you do. You have to create an environment that sets people up to be honored. It's a lifestyle. So your values, like I said, are the legs, the vehicles to achieve on earth as, as it is in heaven. Values push you towards a mission. See, what you truly value in your life will be seen through your life lived. As sobering and convicting as it is, I would argue how you live. So how you live, what you value, your actions could be seen by others. And if they, if they see your actions, they should be able to use language to make value statements of your life. See, the goal, that it's an ideal world, the goal would be not to just have to say your values and then prove who you are, but the other way around, that how you live proves what you value. See, like I could say, I value loving my wife, Becky, really well. But if you come out to dinner with us, we go on a date or something, and you're like, oh, he kind of talks bad about his wife. He's kind of like demeaning, and you come over dinner, and you're like, he's kind of, he's not serving her well. I would argue you have a right 
to say, hey, I, I don't really know if you value loving your wife. Do you get what I'm saying? So your values in a scary way are uncomfortable in that way because you should see how our church operates and find its values and vice versa. So in talking about our values being invitations into lifestyle, the one that I'm talking about tonight, I would argue is kind of one of the most in-your-face uh, invitations at hand. Tonight we're talking about this, uh, value five. Value five is nothing is impossible. We live under open heavens and healing is for today. <laughs> we got a woozy today. Nothing is impossible. We live under open heavens and healing is for today. How many of you feel an invitation from that? You can declare that all you want, but there's an invitation behind there. See, this value, if you let it, can actually reveal demands on your life. If you let it soak in, you'd actually start to feel, oh, actions, there's a responsibility behind that. See, church, we were born for the impossible. I don't know if there's people awake, or maybe this is the first time you're hearing something like this, and bless you. As believers, when we said yes to Jesus, it means that we were born again. We became a new creation. See, this new creation in its DNA, in the DNA of this new creation that you are, is Jesus, is the Spirit of God. We are now found in Jesus and are called to the works of Christ for his kingdom. See, for New Testament believers, this is our new reality. It's true, and we'll get to this new reality in a second. But in preparing my talk, my message, I was just hit with this simple question. Why at times do I personally not fully live this lifestyle of the impossible? Why do I sometimes not do it? Why do I not see believers at times fully stepping out into a lifestyle of healing, chasing down impossible situations? Well, very simply, I had this thought and kind of dwelling on that was, I would just argue it's because we don't know or forget what the finished work of Christ gives us. We don't know what we truly have. See, Jesus came to earth, he died for us, and did the impossible, right, was resurrected by the Spirit of God, and that same Spirit lives in you. He did some things on this earth, he modeled how to live, he gave us some things for us to do some things. Very simple man, that's not that eloquent, eloquent of language. Jesus came, <laughs> he did some things to give you some things for you then to go do some things. I hope you're getting this. But we must be reminded in this time what we have. See, it's one thing to know what is in your account, but it's another thing to actually make a withdrawal. See, you can have money in your account, but that doesn't actually, just because you have money in your account, it doesn't allow you actually to interact with the world and make decisions about your, the places around you. You must make a withdrawal of cash to purchase things. See, knowing what you have will change how you live. Knowing what you have, being reminded today by the goodness of God, who he, ha who he is and what he's given you, I promise you will change how you live. See, I have this funny analogy, but I just thought, do you think if you had a Porsche, maybe you're here and you have a Porsche and I need you to jokingly lay hands on me. But anyways, if you have a Porsche, if you know that you have a Porsche, it's in your, it's in your possession, you know you have a Porsche, how many of you know you'll probably look at roads different? <laughs> If you have a Porsche, you'll probably drive a little different. I drive out in like the uh, Oregon wine country roads. If you have a Porsche and you're out there alone, I guarantee you look at it different. 
I have a clunky little Subaru. It, I get going, but if I had a Porsche, <laughs> do you get what I'm saying, though? When you know what you have, it changes how you live. See, Matthew 8, 28, as we know, it's called the great what? Commission. Jack, good job. Jesus shares with us a reality of what we have and what we have been giving. Starting in verse 18, I'll just read it for you. It says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, so because of that, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So simple. First thought, this is a huge water. First thought on why nothing is impossible is Jesus said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. So the good news for you tonight that can help you understand that nothing is impossible is when he said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, that means there's somebody out there that has none. I'm trying. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That Jesus, that Holy Spirit is now in you. So there's somebody out there, his name's Satan, that has none. If you believe that, that changes how you live. It's a good word. Romans 8.11 also says it as clear as day. It says this. He's saying it for me. Romans 8.11, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. <laughs> and just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. So the same Jesus, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead did the impossible, the resurrection power. It's very clear. He says lives in you. So I would argue it was the resurrection power, and we'll get into this more later, but the resurrection power that brought about all the great kingdom exploits that we see Jesus do, that same spirit is in you. You don't have a junior Holy Spirit. You don't have a second class version. He gave it to you fully. Ephesians 1 says this. Verse 18 says, this is good. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparable great power for those who believe. That power, so that inheritance that you have, that power is the same as the mighty strength, verse 20, that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Get this, this is important, verse 21. So when he was raised in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked not only in this present age but also in the one to come get this and god placed all things under his feet say his feet god placed all things say under say his feet and anointed him to be head over everything for the church 23 which is his body us the fullness of him who fills everything in every way See, I would argue this verse has victorious language. Do you feel that victorious language on it? He says, this is our inheritance. We are his body. He is the head. Jesus was raised into victory, put at the right hand of the Father, and get this, above all rule and authority, power, and dominion. And he said, all of that is under his feet. And here's the other good news, is that where do you fit in this situation? You are the body. 
So you are connected to Jesus. He is the head. He is the, the great priest where his eyes are on, uh, on the future leading us, but we are connected to him. I like to think of anything that connects the head to the body. So the blood flow, all these things, we are connected. But how many of you know, sounds funny, but the body is still above the feet. So your rightful place is being led by Jesus and you are his body, but still his feet are under you, which means you, because of the spirit of God, are above all dominion, all powers of darkness. It's a good word. So that's another thing of what do you have in your account that you can withdraw from? A rightful place in Jesus <laughs> because of the finished work. He rightfully put you there and everything is under his feet and you are found in him and he is in you. That's good news. Lastly, one more scripture to show us what we have. John 16, says this. These things I've spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace, because in this world you will have tribulation. But give this. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. This simple verse, out of all these this week, I was like, went on about it with my wife in the kitchen. This one simple verse rocked me in a good way. It says, be of good cheer. Why? Because he overcame the world. That's victory language. That's past tense language. Jesus didn't come and just make the world a little better of a place. Jesus didn't just come, right, and manage the place and teach you how to manage it a little better. It says he overcame the world. And what is your rightful place in that is that you can have good, cheerful hearts. Be of good cheer. When I think of be of good cheer, I think about celebration. I think about cheerleaders, like cheering. What are you doing? I think about cheering after a game. What is celebration? Celebration is cheering for something that has already happened. So imagine if you get to walk around all the time being of good cheer, having this victorious mindset because he overcame the world. Would you look at the world different? Being of good cheer looks like I actually get to be in a constant place of celebration because Jesus overcame the world. See, I think of another uh, cheesy analogy here. Um, so if you're lactose, sorry. Hated that. Uh, get this. Say there's, I've heard this analogy before. Say there, it's Super Bowl Sunday. And I know this would be none of you because we're good Christians here. You actually come to church on Super Bowl Sunday. You're not the one that stays home and watch the game, right? So what happens is you come to church and so you record the game, right? It's your winning tribe. It's your winning team and you are pumped, right? And they're playing and you're like, I think they're going to win. You come to church, you recorded the game. And you're driving home, because you missed the game, and you get on your iPhone, and you quickly just check the score. And you're like, oh my gosh, we won the game. That's amazing. So then you go home, and you watch the game. Are you with me? How many of you know that since you know the score, you're going to watch the game differently? So what happens is when you're watching the game, there may be a time where your winning quarterback throws an interception, and you're like, wow, oh, that's, that's no sweat. <laughs> you see the time when there's a fumble, sports guy here, not really. There's a fumble, 
<laughs> there's a fumble. And how many, how many of you know that if you're watching that game and you're like, wow, we are down by a lot. Um, there's a lot of, this seems impossible to win. How many of you know, you would already know you're like, it wouldn't even get to you because you could celebrate because I know who wins. So be of good cheer for I've overcome the world is the same thing. You can go throughout life knowing that everything, all of darkness is under Jesus's feet. And when you see things pop up, you see it the same way that you'd watch that game. You'd look at it different. You'd be of good cheer because you know who won the battle. It's a good word. See, we were born for the impossible. Jesus modeled for us how to move in power and the impossible, and he lives in us. See, have you ever thought about the gospel? Have you ever thought the gospel would just not be the same without the miracles? This value is nothing is impossible. We live under an open heaven, and healing is for today. So have you ever thought about the gospel and the gospel would not be the same without the miracles? See, we are, when we're born again, we're born into God's family and therefore his story and his story is filled with the impossible. Is your story filled with the impossible? See, as pastors and leaders, but truly I think I'm talking to Christians here, um, it's very easy to look at what we're good at and call that our ministry. Instead of discover what we are already called to by Jesus himself, right? It's easy to look at human skill and offer to that, that to the Lord as your service and call it ministry. See, for me, it's very easy for me to only live my life as a musician, as a worship leader, something I'm good at, and give that life to the Lord and say, say here's my calling. But it's a different thing to read the scriptures and see what did just he call Christians to in general? See, skills are good because how many of you know he actually can breathe on your talents? He can breathe on your skills, and the supernatural can be released on your human skill. However, there's a commissioning on our lives with clear instructions from the Lord, and it's about kingdom and his kingdom coming, and he's already spoke that. So I would argue one makes you kind of like a little God by saying, hey, this is what I'm good at. And I'm, this is what I'm limited to, and therefore you're only productive as your good skills, but not doing what he says. She has children, and we, we must have a hunger for the impossible. Jesus was our model. He died on the cry, cross and rose again. He did the impossible, and I've said this already, but he gave us the spirit that made it possible. So he put things into place for you to live the same way. See, over the years, I've seen that um, I've seen that bad teaching, uh, life circumstance, and disappointment can get rid of knowing this reality. Bad teaching, disappointment, the fear of failure can actually get rid of this type of hunger, take it away, and actually give you complacency. But it still doesn't take away the reality of Christ's life and what he calls us to. He gave the spirit to all of his believers so that, he, that we can represent him everywhere we go. See, in seeing rightly what Jesus went through during death and resurrection, we then must see that our hearts have this cry that says we owe the world an encounter. If we see what Jesus fully went through and that he's called us to that, there should be something where we see, wow, Christ did that for me and did that for the world. I owe the world an encounter. 
I owe an, oh, the world of showing them what impossible situations bowing their knee to Jesus looks like. Before your human skill and all those things, you have one commission, and it's to destroy the works of hell for a living. It's the one thing that you give your life to. See, it's a life of prophecy and miracles. See, it's very easy to opt out of this type of thinking and lifestyle. It's easy over the years to boil it down to it's not my personality to step out. Or that you can actually see that people in the church are really gifted. So it's for the special people that walk in miracles. But how many of you know God doesn't show favoritism? Right? The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. Now I sound like a broken record. That spirit lives in everyone, not some special people. And so he lives in you and he wants out. He really does. See, in John, Jesus talks about anyone that thirsts for him and believes in him will have rivers of living water flowing from their bellies. He wants to flow through you as a river. Not just a peaceful lake that does nothing. He wants to flow through you like a river. He has created you to walk around your world dependent on him so that you are in tune with what he wants so that everything you touch, every situation that you come into, out from you flows the spirit of God destroying impossibilities. It brings life. See, in knowing this, we remember that God has us on a mission. See, I was reminded from this this teaching and looking over Jesus' kind of just words again, that he was actually constantly commissioning, commissioning us to do things. See, his language was always pointing for something to be done now and for our lives. It's simple, but I know that for myself, um, at times, I've lived in certain circumstances where I've let that limit myself of just going to heaven. So what he said is just limits me to, okay, I'm, I'm safe, I'm going to heaven, and so then I can live on earth just however I want, and maybe just kind of move in a little bit of kindness sometimes and kind of build my own empire, but then, oh wait, I should give some money and but at the end of the day, the gospel is just about me going to heaven. Instead, Jesus, we must understand, saved us, yes, to go to heaven, but unto a work. So as believers, we have commissions. He commissions us to do things. The most famous is the Great Commission. We already uh, read parts of that. So he says, go into the world, preach the gospel. But another commission that we talk about a lot here in St. Hill is found in Matthew 6. Jesus says, when you pray... You should pray like this. Bless the babies. He says in Matthew 6, he says, when you pray, not if you pray. He says, when you pray, you should pray like this. He's telling you how to step into authority. When you pray, you should pray like this. He's teaching us how we are designed to live, how to step into authority. He says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does that prayer, what does that commissioning tell us? It's to demonstrate here, earth, what heaven looks like there. (laughs) He's saying, step into authority when you pray. You actually, by the spirit of God, because I showed you how to pray this way, you can pray for here to look like there. This is a good word. Jesus is sharing that there's a reality in heaven, a will being done that isn't always being done here. It's our job to declare and see that done here. See, we find things here that don't look like heaven, and we bring the reality of the kingdom. 
So we search out impossibilities so that they bow their knees to heaven. See, it's finding out. It takes us finding out what is in heaven and seeing around us what needs to change. See, I think of the phrase seeking first the kingdom, right? Seeking first the kingdom. Seeking first the kingdom is not us pursuing heaven, like to go to heaven. As born-again believers, we know that we are going there. We are going to heaven. But it's seeking out the kingdom to find out what's in it to display it here. See, when you read and you go over Jesus' teachings and he talks about the kingdom, he, talk, he uses language. He talks about it being a very present reality, a now reality. In Matthew, Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Why would he mention something that's at hand if you can't reach for it? Furthermore, why would he mention it's at hand if it wasn't accessible? See, for me, the yes to the kingdom is yes, the kingdom is the future. We know we're going there. There's a kingdom. Kingdom of heaven is the future. Or in the church, maybe you've heard the phrase, the now and the not yet reality. How many of you have heard that? The now and the not yet. See, I want to be clear tonight that I get that. And of course, theologically, I really, really get that. The now and the not yet. However, oh, here we go. Don't let teaching or the potential of disappointment create unbelief that can hide in the future or not yet. Let me say it again. Don't let teaching or the potential of disappointment or fear of man create an unbelief in you that hides in the not yet part of the kingdom. I've seen it done. Just my thoughts here. In reading, reading the Gospels, I would say that there's enough commissioning type language from Jesus that we can actually give our whole lives to the kingdom of now. There's enough that he's laid out for us to say there's, there's stuff that can happen now. I would rather waste my days going after the now than sitting back and being a spectator and waiting for the not yet. See, the kingdom of God, seeking the kingdom of God. What is kingdom? It's the king's domain. It's the king's dominion. So an example, Matthew 12, this is really important. Matthew 12 says this. In Matthew 12, we see Jesus heal a demon-possessed man, and then he gets questioned about it. One thing he says in his response is in verse 28. And verse 28, I think for me, really helps me kind of get this mindset of on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus says this, If I cast a demon out of you by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God came upon you. So if he cast a demon out by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God came upon you. See the kingdom, his realm came upon a demon possessed person. Why? Because darkness doesn't exist in heaven. So when his dominion came over the person, darkness had to leave and bow its knee to the king. That's the mandate on earth as it is in heaven. What is happening there? I loved Andoni's message this last week. It's the secret place. The secret place is a perfect place to find out what's happening there. He wants to give you things and teach you things privately and put you on display publicly for his glory. So you learn what is going on in heaven, and then that should lead you to nothing is impossible. It's the mandate to seek first what is in his dominion, then release it here. See, the secret place, like how I said, is a great place to pursue God's heart and his reality. 
Because what happens is you get there and you learn and you learn his heart and you start to realize that you start getting clothed in authority so that you have something to give away. See, I'm all, I'm all for the secret place being a place where you get to just soak in the presence. I do it. I love it. I love it for it to be a resting place. I'm all for it to be the secret place being a place that you run to when things get hard, truly, for him to be your refuge. I love the secret place being a place where you can secretly in private cast your cares on the Lord. I'm all for that. I'm all for it. you dreaming with God. We talk a lot about dreaming with God, the secret place. You get his mind about your life and you get, you get prophetic words from him and dreaming. I'm all for that. But I truly believe our calling and commissioning comes first. So hear me. I would argue that the secret place exists to transform us into something unto a mission. See, I would be weary of the secret place never, never then leading you to action. To leaving the secret place, but you actually don't love people more. What led you to the secret place was your crazy boss, and now I need to go get rested up, and then you come out feeling more safe. <laughs> Instead of leaving into an action to release the kingdom. See, in the secret place in the scriptures, when we discover what God has for us to do, we understand the responsibility to pursue seeing his kingdom released. See, what does it look like to see heaven come on someone's hurt body that needs healing? Or the kingdom of God turning upside down a family through reconciliation and a love in a family that once seemed impossible? What does that look like? What does the kingdom look like of being a prophetic word, calling forth someone's destiny, where in the natural it seemed like they were actually destined for somewhere completely different? See, the way of looking at the world through this lens of on earth as it is in heaven is how we are supposed to live. That we, Saints Hill Church in Newburgh, Oregon, would be people that are crazy enough to believe that nothing is impossible. See, it's not my job to figure out how to get to heaven because I already know I'm getting there. It's not my job to figure out how I get there. It's my job to research in the secret place, his heart, if you will, to find out what does the finished work of Christ mean and then get heaven here now. It's my job to bring about the kingdom of God. See, when we have this reality mindset of nothing is impossible, what does it look like for life situations? What does it look like for people around you, others around you? When you have the mindset of nothing is impossible because of the finished work of Christ, does that make you look at financial hardships different? Does that make you look first unto breakthrough instead of lack? Does that make you look at pain and injustice differently? Does it make you, I know for me, does it make you approach anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, whether for you or a friend? Nothing is impossible. The kingdom of God is at hand. Does it make you look at those situations different? Does it make you look at an issue at life differently from a victorious answer fulfilled response? Because we have a reality of another world that is ready to be released in every circumstance. So we see that Jesus, when he walked around the earth, there wasn't one person, there wasn't one situation that he didn't have an answer for. And we have that inheritance.
So there's no issue of life. The good news for you is that there's no issue in this life that is safe from being touched by his kingdom. He's ready to do it through you, through the person next to you. I read some scripture, but to make this talk a little legal, let's open up our Bibles. I know some of you are kind of worried. Who is this guy? Let's open your Bibles to Matthew 10. I want us to all kind of see something together, and then we'll kind of finish up. Is there any alive people in here? Are you guys alive? Matthew 10, we're going to start in verse 6. It's another kind of commissioning type passage. It's another passage that we see Jesus is constantly pushing us to a mission and mandate. In my Bible, in the kind of little header, it says Jesus sends out the 12. So you notice that language, he's sending out. Verse 6. You guys there? Go, rather, to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, so you're supposed to be going just throughout life, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Verse 8. He says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, now freely give. He's saying, freely I've given you the spirit, now give it away. How the kingdom at hand, uh, the kingdom is, has come near and is at hand, and how does that happen? Is he, he, he commissions you to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. See, this is, this is a stretch here, but have you noticed, do you notice that language? I'm going to get in trouble for this one. I feel it. But look at the language. It says, heal the sick. It doesn't say pray for the sick. He doesn't say pray for the dead. He said, hey, don't, don't just go pray for the people that have leprosy. Go pray for people that you think have demons. He says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Why would Jesus use that type of language if he didn't see it possible in your life? But this is important. If I got, I got to be real, the kind of Jake side of me is this. Well, that seems impossible. I can pray for the sick. <laughs> can I heal the sick? But Jesus, aren't you the healer? Uh, take it up with him. I'll just say, as he said, he, he told me what to do. But this is what we can get from it and find comfort from is that those lists, I don't know about you, kind of feel impossible. But he's saying that you are called to live a life chasing after the impossible. But how? Dependence on him. If you depend on him, you will see healings because you know it's him. So how do I know that it's good news is because he's actually saying, hey, all this that seems impossible, it kind of is. But if you yield yourself to me, you'll see this because the kingdom of God is at hand. Because on the shoulders of that is freely as you receive, freely you're given. To see those things, you have to receive the spirit, his spirit, not yours. See, we're stewards of a person. We host him. Andoni talked about that. With this type of language, if this makes you uncomfortable, I would really say thanks for joining the club. (laughs) This is uncomfortable stuff. And that's okay. We aren't in this whole thing for comfort. If you're in this thing called Christianity for comfort, I'm really sorry. But his name is the Comforter, so meet him. <laughs> um, 
Uncomfortable is where we need to be at all times because it pushes him on dependence towards him. Dependence fully on him shows that it's never us doing anything. It's dependence. We see this in Jesus' life. He models it. I'm going to wrap up here in a second. But I I might as well do one more thing that might get me in trouble because it's just kind of fun to do. We see in Jesus' life, and he models it, dependence on the Father. So truly hear the whole thing that I'm about to say, and then uh, send me an email later if you really want to. Because this thought has probably gotten people in trouble in the church over times, but here we go. We know that Jesus was 100% entirely God. Amen? He never stopped being God. I haven't heard people say he, he laid down his God card. I, I get what they're saying, but he never stopped being God. But we can also agree that he was entirely man. He was, he was like omni-powerful. I don't know all the omnis. How schooled am I? I know that he was all-knowing. We see Jesus. Uh, there's little lines in the gospel where it's like, hearing what they thought, he said. So he knew what you thought. He knows what you think. He's all-knowing. He's all-God. But also we know that Jesus was not like omnipresent. He was one man walking, right? And so that's why he even said, it's better for me to go away and give you the spirit. Why? So that now there's millions of little Jesuses walking around. So he's saying, it's better for me to go so that you have the spirit. Are you tracking? So he's saying, it's better for me to go. And then he says, because greater are these works that you are going to do. I've heard it said that greater may be like um, different types of miracles that are like better than he ever did. That, uh, sure, that, that works. I think also greater, the way I look at it, is a quantity thing. He's saying, now that my spirit is out there, there's going to be greater amounts of, of miracles. Because you are now called into this. Because he can't be everywhere. But, back to that, he was entirely man. But I would argue, here we go, that the things he did was, was as a man, entirely dependent on God, his father. John 5.19 says this, if you disagree. Very truly, I tell you, The son can do nothing by himself. Hmm. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. See, don't get me wrong, but when we see Jesus walking in and doing the miracles in his life, if we knew that he was fully God doing that, we'd still applause it and just be like, this is amazing. But it would leave you to be a spectator. Because if we see Jesus being a model that's fully dependent on his father, the same father that we have, it puts a demand on our lives. When we see that he was dependent on the father, it pushes us to the same work. It can be uncomfortable, but we never know. Um, what is it? Hold on, I'm reading my notes here. It can be, this is real life here. It can be uncomfortable, and we may never in this whole life, what he's calling us to may be uncomfortable till the day we die. We may not do this thing right, but we can't change the mandate. See, if you've been around here a lot, you hear us say things like this, but we don't have the right to minimize or water down the scriptures to just what feels good. Or minimize them to something that we just think we can handle or that we can do well. See, it's then possibilities being changed that will change the hearts of our town, Newburgh. I believe that. See, Newburgh is why the harvest is ripe. Newburgh is a very churched place. 
which is a beautiful thing. Major church history here. There's a lot of people here that know biblical teaching. But I personally believe that it's the power of God. It's the signs and wonders. It's the things that he's calling our church to do that are missing at times from the full teaching of the gospel in our town because I believe those are the things that will change this town. The power of God. So this value tonight, nothing is impossible, is an invitation for our church today. It's an invitation to try and do what we might not know how to do. It's important because most of the time throughout life, we need to learn all these things so we know what to do. But how many of you know, I'm sure you can like resonate with this, is how many times has God called you to something new and deeper and it normally requires more trust and you don't know what you're doing? See, it's about becoming and feeling like a child again where you don't know what to do. It's important for you to be dependent on him. We need to be in a place constantly of gaining wisdom, revelation, growing in excellence. So going after wisdom, intelligence, excellence, teaching, scriptures, but also in the same breath, are you able to say, I really also don't know what I'm doing? It sounds uncomfortable, but I believe trust in his goodness, trust in the person of Jesus can actually lead you to a place where that is actually of deep comfort. The goal of your life and ministry should be all things displaying as much of him and only him, his power, so that the end product, a lack of a better word, could only be pointed at Jesus. If all your ministry is only through your skill and your intelligence, it can have Jesus incorporated into it, but I would argue that there's an end point where it's still directed towards you. So our ministry is to step into the impossible. Let's all stand. I should probably close. Let's all stand. Is anyone getting anything tonight? Not for me. I just, I just hope Jesus is ministering to your heart and maybe teaching you something new. I think this is a mandate for our church in this season to step out. We had a worship family night this week where people that lead on Sundays regularly get together and it was a holy moment because I think prophetic, prophetically we felt that God is building this hunger in our church, a hunger for the impossible, a hunger for heaven invading in this place. We felt that there's people, new people, Freshmen at Fox that are like, I've never heard this, or maybe I have, but now I know that I burn for this. You thought you moved to Newburgh because of this four-year school and that you're going to um, major in this one thing, and that's beautiful. It's going to happen. He's, he's built you human skill, but he's also trying to give you a PhD in his kingdom. <laughs> you thought you came here for one thing, but he's actually here to show you what a life looks like to give yourself to the presence. What does that major in school? What does that business that you started look like if your main priority is nothing is impossible and I burn for the presence of God in the kingdom? He's building that in our people. I see it. I feel it. There's kind of just three things. Uh, when I pictured this message, when I was asking God what he wanted to do uh, this Sunday, um, far from hype, but I saw this picture of almost the response to a teaching like this almost being like an altar call. That doesn't mean like you just coming forward. It, it could be. Um, but I saw this Sunday being like a commissioning. I saw two types of people that we were going to pray for 
or that the Lord wanted to minister to you. The one was just simply a person that has never heard a message like this before, never knew what the kingdom at hand really meant, never knew like, oh my gosh, I've never really... I always knew that I'm like Christian because I'm going to heaven. I heard that gospel growing up, but I didn't know that Jesus actually had like chose me to do great exploits. So the first is pretty simple. If you've never heard that and you're like, something's burning, Holy Spirit's burning on your heart right now, come forward. Now I saw, and, and the prayer team's here to pray for people, but there's something about even just, whether it's in your seat, whether it's in the row or up front, there's something about like an altar call of your heart that is like surrender. It's like, Jesus, I surrender to your kingdom. I surrender to this calling that you have in my life. I surrender uh, to this idea that the gospel is not just about me and I've made it about me. And so I saw an altar call of people coming and laying their lives down again to just say, Jesus, here I am. Commission me to do the mission that you have for the kingdom. That's the first. So even right now, if you, no pressure, but make your way to the front um, or in the row or in your heart or whatever, just start now. Just saying, Jesus, give him fresh surrender. The second is very similar. It's almost identical, but it's people that have heard this before. Um, and there's honestly, I, I got to be frank, just some repentance. Because what I prayed for, what God is giving you, this gift needs to be stewarded. I know when I was doing this message and preparing, going to him, I was just like, wow, Lord, I haven't stewarded this that well. I repent. I, re I repent for um, calling my ministry things that I'm good at and limiting that to what you've already called me to do. I repent. I turn away. Jesus, you want to do something in my town. You want to do something in the church and don't let me get in the way. So very similar to the first one, it's just people repenting and maybe going, coming to the altar, getting prayer and saying, I sign up again. I don't know how many times, whether I'm leading worship here or right there, week after week, I know Alex can agree. It's like, I sign up again. <laughs> the second group of people, there's people here that need to sign up again to a life of miracles, to ser searching out that actually, God, you want your kingdom to flow through me. And then uh, the third is... Uh, I'd hate to talk about nothing is impossible and uh, we not see that happen. So we are a church that believes in healing. And so a couple things that I got, very simple, is this one um, may be able to be tested, uh, but I just, I just felt like God was healing sleep, specifically migraines to the point where you just don't remember the last time you had good sleep. And it's something, it's almost like left ear. I'm getting left ear that is like, pain or something. So if that's you, come forward to get healing. Um, I also got like any type of accidents. Um, specifically, this sounds silly. Maybe there's some people that need healing in their body for an accident that happened, but in your head, you're like, the accident was like me being kind of stupid. <laughs> so you're like, yeah, like I was like crazy. And I don't know. I don't even want to feel like I jumped off this roof because I was being silly. And now God even wants to heal that. So accidents, that kind of thing. And then also just specifically, I felt like um, I want to go after any type of uh, impossible, like incurable disease. So if you, um, if you have anything, maybe it's like a skin issue, uh, cancer, obviously a cancer or anything like that, that you're like, I would actually need Jesus to come and break through. We want to pray for that because um, now is the time. The kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus is here. Amen. 
We're going to move into a time of, yes, prayer, things are going to go on, but also for the rest of you, there's freedom in the room. Um, those first two things, re-sign up, come to the front, make find a place for you to physically surrender your, yourself to God um, again. And then, uh, secondly, what's going to happen during this time is we're so excited, Alex mentioned it, is baptisms. That's going to happen during the next song of worship. I think we have about four people signed up for baptism. So if that's you, if you know you're getting baptized, Jim and Andonia right over here, go in and even right now, just because of time, come right now and find them. They're going to just pray for you. Um, we got towels and shirts and stuff. They're going to pray for you, kind of walk you through baptism and then come up to the front and you're going to get baptized during the song. For the rest of you, um, we're family. We celebrate fresh life. And so the rest of you, while you're ministering to Jesus and himself, when you see somebody come out of the baptism of water, let's celebrate, let's cheer them on, bless them real good. Maybe even listen uh, to the Lord. Say, God, would you give me a prophetic word? And then find them after because it's fresh life. And so, yeah, let's do that. I'm trying to think. There's a lot of things. Thanks for being flexible and family. I think there's probably more people, as you see, uh, getting baptism. Uh, we're not limited to four. So if something's on you, we have everything you need. Towels, shirts, everything. Come out and just find these people right here. But the rest of you come forward for prayer. Surrender your life once again. And pray. Step out this week for healing. Amen. Bless you guys. Thanks for listening. And if we can do anything to help you, or if you want to stay in the loop with what is going on in and around the church, you can follow us on Instagram, download the Saints Hill app in the App Store, or visit our website, saintshill.church. And the yoke is so much easier.